Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 307 RPG Podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Nolan. Nolan, what's new with you? Anything fun? I haven't seen you for a couple of days. What have, what have you been up to? I know, right? It's so weird. Uh, you know, we had a, a nice little insurance claim, so we did flooring this weekend and then did a little bit of World of Warcraft, and somehow the weekend's already over, so... Yeah, well, and I had a three-day weekend, and I'm already thinking, wow, why is the weekend already over? <laughs> right? It's one of those great mysteries. It doesn't matter how many, how much time you have, it's always almost done. Yeah, absolutely. And here it is, Sunday morning, we're recording our show, and I'm wondering where the hell the weekend go. But you did say you played a little bit of World of Warcraft this weekend. Did you get to do anything fun, um, mythics or anything like that? Uh, we knocked out a few mythics. It was a push week, uh, and then we pushed... Uh, I think we got two bosses left uh, on Heroic, so getting close to wrapping that up for the raid. Nice, nice. I got to play just a tiny, tiny bit. Not not near as long as I wanted to, that's for sure. Uh, my Demon Hunter, I think, is around level 57, um, probably about halfway through 57. So I'm hoping to sit down and play today. I'd like, I was hoping to hit level 60 this weekend. Clearly not happening because I have way too much shit going on in my life. Yeah, I think I got, uh, I made a little Alliance Baby Paladin, uh, did a Scarlet Monastery because I decided to level through Classic, and uh, it's not a lot of fun tanking at level 10 because you have three abilities, but I got to level 12 by the end of it, so picked well, up Well, there you more. go. Uh, I did try to sit down and play Cyberpunk this weekend, but discovered that my HDMI cord on my Xbox is out, and I just haven't gone to the store and got a new one. Uh, I think that is going to be a vicious cycle for a while with that game. Yeah, it's like everything that could go wrong is going to go wrong, and it's kind of irritating. <laughs> yep. Mute my phone there. Sorry about that. Um, so we do have a topic of the night, and that is uh, the new RPG game Altered Carbon from Hunters Entertainment. We are going to specifically be talking about the character creation process. Understand that we are not experts on this because we just got the book, but we thought it'd be fun to kind of take a look at it together with everybody in the show and see what it's like. But before we jump into that, let's talk news because... There's some interesting stuff from D&D this week, and multiple mainstream media outlets, um, well, that sounded like people are going to scream in fake news, don't do that. Uh, multiple mainstream media outlets have created holding pages for an as-yet-untitled D&D 5e sourcebook. Uh, from what I've been able to find, the title of the book will be officially announced in three days, uh, yep, sorry, two days, on January 12th. Nolan, did you get to see this? Just a little bit, because it popped up. Yeah, uh, in fact, I, I say, did you get to see this? But you're the one who told me about it, and I went and started doing some digging. Um, I did find, I, you know, like I said, I did some digging. I found it on Amazon, Barnes and or yeah, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, and uh, Penguin Random House Publishing. So what what I was able to ascertain, uh, the book is slated to be released on March 16th, which coincides with a normal D and D book release. Uh, Barnes and Noble's listed dimensions of the books at 6.5 by 1.5 by 9.5, which is, uh, according to some other sites that I read, uh, that is the normal size for a U.S. trade paperback, not necessarily a hardback. Uh, and I, I checked on Amazon; they didn't have any measurements at all towards to the book, except for the weight, which is like 1.25 pounds. Uh, and I did not rush and go and weigh one of my other books to see if it was 1.25 pounds um so i don't know that those I, I would imagine those are just placeholder measurements i i can't imagine that that's going to be like 
correct because with a price tag of $49.95, which is what they're advertising, this and Amazon also said that it's a hardcover book. This clearly screams to me, and, and I could be wrong, that this is indeed a standard source book. What do you think? I think the first place I saw it on was the uh, apparently the company that has signed to produce future Dragonlance novels. They kind of were the ones that had the first, I don't know if it was a whoopsie or placeholder or what, but that was that was the first news I saw was from that company. And I think that's the general feeling. Um, it also could just be another cookbook. So I don't know. Could be, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, March, if I remember correctly, if memory serves, March is the normal time for them to release a source book. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, that's when we got the Wildmount source book last year, isn't it? Yeah, and, and it kind of seems to be their cycle. Um it's almost too fast to be a campaign uh you know we've just kind of recently got rhyme so that should at least right. take us a year so uh we just got tasha's as well so it shouldn't be like a supplement so i think everything screams source book um i know a lot of people are clamoring for spell jammer or uh, something along those lines but i you know if you could start building the hype around Dragonlance. And if the books are coming out uh, and potentially, you know, a movie or something in the future, I don't know. I, uh, that would be, you know, we've talked about like some of the genres being uh, digital now, you know, the new Castlevania on Netflix, the new, uh, some of those adult anime RPG style things. I think that's maybe the route that I would go with that. Um, just because I think a fantasy RPG is really hard. Like anytime I see like, hey, we're doing a Dungeons and Dragons one, you got to live up to Lord of the Rings. And that's really tough to do without a huge commitment and a huge budget in this day and age. So I don't disagree, which is why Amazon's budget for the Cimmerillion is through the roof. Um, I would love, truthfully, if they did a Dragonlance, like if they did Chronicles uh, in a digital format like like they did Castlevania and released it on something like Netflix, I would be ecstatic. I think that would be fantastic. I'd love to see the character of Tasselhoff Burfoot and, and Flint Fireforge come to life because that would be, well, fucking incredible is what it would be. <laughs> Well, I think that's the tough thing because of the monsters. You know, I, I, I trying to imagine it not be horrible made-for-TV CGI of Lizardman, right, like right, claymation stomping through. Uh, like you said, Tasselhoff. What does he actually look like? How do you get? You know, do you have Andy Circus come in? And you know, I, it's just one of those things. Of I know we've gotten better at CGI uh, and all that, but I, I just think about the monsters, and I want a hulking, you know, dragonborn esque creature and i think that would be hard to do where you can't i don't think you could just put a human in a costume and and make it work so sure I, who knows, who knows? I, i'm a skeptic I, and i'm open to being surprised I, I would agree with you but i do think we are going to see it would not surprise me at all if wizards of the coast announced in two days that this source book that we're hearing about is indeed Dragonlance. i think we you know we saw the settlement or the uh, the um we saw the lawsuit go away uh, with Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. And and I know it wasn't uh, a matter of, it wasn't, um, God, what the hell am I trying to fucking say? This is ridiculous. It was not dismissed with prejudice. So that means they could bring it back. And and I know that the statement was that they wanted 
they wanted to give it a chance to make it right. So I do, it, 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 I wouldn't be at all surprised. And, and Penguin Random House being the ones, one of the ones who's pub or who is um, spoiling this, uh, them being the publishing company, I assume that's the one that you were talking about when it comes to um, Dragonlance. So I think we're going to see Dragonlance. I think the announcement in two days is going to be Dragonlance. That's just my opinion. I have nothing at all to go on, just kind of thinking about what we've talked about in the last couple of weeks. So I'd be okay with that as long as they fix some of the ridiculousness that, that came along with Dragonlance and they, you know, and they don't ruin it. Um, I think adding the world of Kryn to um, Dungeons and Dragons would be amazing. I'd like to see it, uh, especially on as long as it comes to D and D Beyond. I think it's a lot easier that way as well. That was, I think, a huge boon for the Wild Mount book. Uh, we saw a lot of people really excited about the Echo Knight that came out of that. So, I'm curious to see some of the classes. Uh, I did get to play in the campaign of the story in three point five, and it was really weird doing some of the stuff of being a cleric that actually didn't heal till about third level because the gods weren't around because you were playing right, the quest right. to bring them back. Um, and just not having the nature magic around was crazy. But I, I like it. I think it hits nostalgia. Uh, and I think it might be at this point, too, where, again, we, we talk about uh, I'm at the age where I'm going to make my kids get into it. So I think that's the thing of, you know, I'm going to go see the nostalgia button. I'm going to do this, and hopefully it hooks the next generation. Yeah. And I think, you know, gosh, I think a character like Tasselhoff, I could see Zeke running around, pretend to be like a Tasselhoff type character. That'd be hilarious. And I think that's the goal. You know, I think, uh, I, I think getting the next generation into it, you got to do something. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know what is necessarily timeless about those stories. Uh, other than they, they just, I mean, I think everybody can deal with those and they deal with emotions and they deal with trust and betrayal and, and there's somebody trying to do right and there's somebody fighting heritage and there's somebody fighting family. And I think that stuff never goes away and I think that's what makes it a, a really good classic that you could pick up today and read and find relevance to it. Right. I know for me, when I read those books years and years and years ago on stone tablets, as you like to say, uh, that was, I mean, the death scene when Flint died in Tasselhoff. Oh, spoilers. Was, whoa, oh, whoa. oh, come on, dude. Chronicles has been out for like over 20 years. We can talk about that. I just wanted you to date yourself. That's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, shut up. <laughs> uh, anyway, so when, when Tasselhoff is just absolutely heartbroken over Flint's death, I was heartbroken reading it. Um, and when Lord Soth and Kitiara made their appearance, and, and just to me, Lord Soth was like the quintessential bad guy. And, mm -hmm. and so when they transitioned Lord Soth to Ravenloft, I was all fucking about it. I thought this is amazing. Dragonlance is the book or the setting that pulled me into D&D long before I ever sat down and played and I'm going to date myself, AD&D 2nd Edition. Yes, I used to roll Thaco. Um, so for me, this I'm excited. I don't think I've been this excited about a D&D book for a while. I mean, I, I was pretty excited for Tasha's. Um, I really want to see this one. I think for a source book for me as well. Like I, I really like the Sword Coast Adventures guide because I'm a huge fan of the Blade Singer. Uh, and it seems like most of the games are being told through that world. So it's nice to have a deep dive into it. Uh, I would I would like to get into Eberron a little bit more um, just after looking at the Artificer and seeing a high magic world I think would be fun after being low magic compared to what I'm used to but yeah same boat Dragonlance I think great place to go explore 
Yep. So we'll see. Uh, we'll know in two days. So definitely once I find out, I'll be announcing it on all the social media platforms that we have. As you can see, those are streaming across the bottom in the ticker. Nolan's done a great job of putting that up. You know, I'm looking at our, our setup here, Nolan, for our streaming. And did you really did a good job? This looks pretty damn nice. Hopefully it uh, just doesn't break on us. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed and keep the duct tape handy. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. I didn't see any other news for D&D. Did you? I did not. Nope. So let's take a walk down the Onyx Path. So reading through this past week's Monday meeting notes, I, I did learn that Onyx Path has already lined out some of their upcoming Kickstarters for 2021. Uh, if you're a fan of Onyx Path, you know that they do a ton of Kickstarters. Uh, they finished last year with Dead Man's Rust, a, a Scarlands. Uh, Wow, here I go again, just blinking on everything. A Scarlands Mega Campaign, which Nolan did back for 307 RPG. Uh, this year, they're going to be kicking off with a dual Kickstarter, Scion Math Mask of the Mythos and Scion Dragon. Mask of the Mythos brings the Cthulhu Mythos into Scion, while Dragon will add a powerful will add powerful protagonists to the game and potentially antagonists. Uh, these are scheduled to start in early January, so if you're a fan of Scion, be sure to check these out. Now, Nolan, I know you and I have never played Scion. I know it's not a game that that we've really learned a lot about. Um, I don't know. I, I won't say that we're not interested because I think you and I would both be willing to at least sit down and listen to somebody tell us about a game. Uh, Scion is, I think, fascinating in that you kind of get to play Descendants of Gods. If you're not familiar with the game of Scion and you want to learn more, we did do an interview with Neil Raymond Price. He's the lead developer for Scion 2nd Edition for Onyx Path. And there's a link in the show notes for you to check out that interview. He goes into a lot of depth about Scion and the Kickstarter that they were doing at the time. But uh, I, I don't... <sighs> Again, and, and I'm kind of focusing 2021 on what I do spend my money on. And this is, unfortunately, this won't be a Kickstarter that I will be backing just because this would be something that I back just to put on the shelf. And I'm a, I would guarantee you're the same way here. This isn't a game that you and I are going to go and jump into and play right away. I would need to have somebody who's already into Scion say, hey, why don't you guys come join me for a weekend? We'll play the game. We'll check it out. And, and then, then... I would probably get into it. Now, I do, uh, during the Onyx Path um, convention, the virtual convention they did, that they had, I did win the the two uh, core rulebooks for Scion, and I have not had a chance to look those over. I need to, because I think I think the world is interesting. I just haven't haven't done it. What are, you, what are your thoughts on this one, as I'm just rambling? Same boat. Uh, learning new systems is hard, especially with new people and with lack of time. Uh, that's, I think, the biggest thing, and I think that's probably a global complaint, is there's never enough time for games. Um, especially when it comes to, to learning them and playing them. And I, I think that is the thing is, you know, it takes time. It's the, I think we, we really only have played, uh, you know, we got into Scarlands because it was 5e. It's a very uh, similar system, almost identical. Uh, and that, that makes it easy because our, we do have people that we play with that don't live and eat and breathe it and just want to show up and hang out and roll some dice so uh, i like the idea of it i think it'd be a lot of fun i like the idea that you can kind of get to a point where you're like all right it's time for me to take over and everything just kind of goes crazy so the potential there for just campaign ending shenanigans seems amazing uh so i don't know nothing against it just need more time 
Yeah, and I think that's the case uh, with a lot of us. And and the reason I say I'm watching how I spend my money in 2021 is I have a bookshelf that's full of RPGs that are frankly collecting dust. And Mm -hmm. it bothers me because they are fascinating games. In fact, uh, the game that we're talking about tonight, Altered Carbon, this might be one that I... I actually had somebody, uh, my friend Zane, our friend Zane, uh, he heard that I had this book and he's like, dude, if you're going to play that game, I want in, which blows me away because he never says stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So we may end up putting together a small campaign, a kind of a, I don't know, a one or two month campaign just to try the game out and see what it's like. I got to spend time reading through it, but it's got to take, you know, second place to Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, which is taking first place over uh, Frostlands of Fenrilic because we have a lot of games going on. So yeah, that that hopefully will be in the future. We'll see. But anyway, um, yeah, so that Kickstarter, those Kickstarters, I should say, are going to be going live here very soon. They said early January, so I got to imagine it might even be as soon as this Tuesday. I don't know the date. So if you're a fan of Scion, like I said, make sure you're keeping an eye out for that. Uh, the other thing I I wanted to talk about with Onyx Path is they recently announced uh, Jackie's Dreaming, a C20 bundle, bundle to benefit Nikki Ray. Uh, last week, we talked about the passing of Jackie Quesada, who is a prominent uh, contributor to the World of Darkness, specifically in the game of Changeling and Mage. Jackie passed away from COVID-19. Uh, her partner, Nikki Ray, who also had COVID but did survive, is, of course, dealing with all the financial burden that comes along with it. So Onyx Path has created this bundle where you can go and get a bunch of uh, Changeling 20th edition stuff and all the proceeds from that are going to Nikki Ray to help her uh, as she deals with all the financial burden. So if you're a fan of Changeling and you want a chance to get in and want to help support somebody who has contributed for a long time to the World of Darkness, the link is in the show notes. Do not hesitate to do that. There's also a GoFundMe set up to help Nikki Ray. So if you'd rather just donate that way, there was a link in last week's show notes. So make sure you check that out. Uh, COVID-19 is, is, especially in this case, is difficult to deal with. So hopefully they help to generate some funds for her. Uh, that's about all I saw from Onyx Path. Did you see anything else? Nope. Me neither. Catalyst Games. Uh, this is a game company that we do not talk about a whole lot. Uh, actually, I think this is probably the first time we've talked about it. Uh, but I did notice they announced that they are releasing a no- new source book for Shadowrun Sixth World Edition. I think is what they call it. The Sixth World. Shadowrun the Sixth World. Yeah, that's what it is. Which is basically Sixth Edition Shadowrun. Um it's called Collapsing Now, and according to the write-up on Drive Through RPG, Collapsing Now details 10 organizations poised to make an impact on the ever-shifting structures of the sixth world. 10 organization, ten organizations Shadowrunners could encounter. Maybe they'll be helpful, maybe harmful, maybe both. But whatever the case, runners need to know what they are about, because the last thing a good runner ever wants is to be surprised. That book is currently available uh, on PDF on Drive Through RPG. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, the cost for the PDF is $19.95. The print version is scheduled to be released in the next couple of months, they said in Q1 2021, and we'll have a price tag of $44.95. Nolan, have you ever even looked at Shadowrun before? A little bit. I know a few people who played it in the past really enjoy it, and I think it kind of, it, it for a while, they kind of filled that niche for cyberpunk style, uh, futuristic, magic, uh God, what was the what was the Will Smith movie Bright or whatever? Bright, yes. Yeah. So I think there's definitely a, an interest in it. I I hope it does well. I mean, it looks interesting. The cover art for it is pretty cool. Um, magic guns, swords. I mean, elves. Yep, yep. I can dig it. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it's it, Shadowrun is a really neat mixture of fantasy and uh, cyberpunk. 
and, and just a, a conglomeration of the two. Uh, I've never played Shadowrun uh, in, in paper format. I've played video games. There used to be quite a few video games. Well, I shouldn't say quite a few. There used to be a couple of video games on the Sega Genesis. Again, I'm dating myself. Uh, that that you could get for Shadowrun. And I, I greatly enjoyed those. I thought they were a lot of fun. Um, so, uh, And I do have a couple of the rule books for Shadowrun. It's another one of those games. Like I said, you know, we have these shelves full of books that are kind of collecting dust. Dust, not dusk. Um, and Shadowrun is unfortunately one of them. But I thought it was interesting, especially considering what we're talking about this week. It is a cyberpunk-themed game, so I thought it would be interesting to talk about that. Uh, over at Crucible 7, I did see there was a, another supplement coming out for the Warhammer 40k uh, Wrath and Glory, I think is the name of the game, um, for the Warhammer 40k role-playing game. I didn't grab a whole lot of information about that because I thought we might be spending a little bit of time talking about character creation for Altered Carbon, so I wanted to you know, kind of keep the, the news to a dull roar plus i figured we'd ramble on about um dragonlance which we did perfect all right so that's gonna bring us to our topic of the night um did you need a minute to go grab coffee or anything i'm good me too i just bring the pot with me it's got a lid on it so i don't have to worry about it. it's nice there you go all right, so our topic of the night is on the Altered Carbon RPG that was just shipped out to Kickstarter uh, donors uh, from Hunter's Entertainment. Uh, this was a Kickstarter done in February of 2020, which kind of surprised me that actually this was completed and printed so and, and shipped in under a year, which I was blown away. Uh, this is, of course, based on the... Wow, I wrote Kickstarter show of the same name. That's weird. The Kickstarter is based on the show of the same name and the novel is Richard by, uh, written by Richard K. Morgan. Uh, Nolan, I know you're a fan of season one. Uh, tell us just briefly, before we even get into the game, what are your thoughts on the world of Altered Carbon? I like, I, first, I like it. I like the futuristic tech of it. I think it has a neat uh, approach to it. The I think we have that conversation a lot uh, just in general, as of people who play MMOs, uh, you know, we, we kind of eventually, people don't know me as Nolan, they know me as Andrewin, you know, and it's, and, and you take on that altered uh, personality state and whether that's uh, more freeing, I think, for a lot of people, because then you base me on my voice and my actions versus my looks. And very quickly, you know, for a lot of people, that doesn't line up. You know, there's a lot of people where you'd just be like, you know what, you're not somebody that I'd probably ever talk to if we pass each other on a street, but uh, I have this friendship with you because, you you know, we have a similar interest. And so I like the idea of with Altered Carbon, you know, you, your body doesn't mean anything. Your sleeve is just that. It's it's what's on your, what's on your stack, your personality, uh, your life experience dictates who you are. And I think... I think that's almost a, a freeing situation uh, in the world. Uh, if you could just, if our insides matched our outsides, uh, it would be curious to see how we survived because then it wouldn't matter if you were uh, beautiful or whatever. It would be literally, you know, a beauty of skin deep type situation. Uh, so I, I love the potential for it. And of course, giving anything that's possible, if there's an opportunity to corrupt and abuse and use it it's going to happen by the uh not necessarily those with money but uh those with money and i it just it's neat it it plays the political side of the vampire games that i really enjoy uh having the augmentation and the modifications uh the you know it was, what was it demolition man where uh 
Wesley Snipes wakes up and he's like, wow, I, I like knitting and I know Kung Fu, you know, or whatever. And it's just like, can you program that stuff? Like I, I, the alterations is fun. And again, you said season one was fantastic. The acting was amazing. Uh, I've watched a couple episodes of season two, uh, but again, finding time away from kids to watch it as they've gotten older as well uh, is a little difficult, but beautiful world great themes and I, th I think just endless potential uh just from that ability of again they they do a good job of separating the stack from the sleeve and there's so many times in D D where it's like i liked my character dervar you know but maybe i didn't like being a barbarian maybe he should have been a fighter or whatever well just take dervar stick him into a new sleeve and keep playing the same character and yeah and, yeah and people know the character they know what to expect it's like well you're doing things completely different but you're the same loud brutish jackass that you've always been and you're like yeah i just got an upgrade and i think that's i i could see the potential for this game of your character creation could take a lot your backstory could be a lot and what you do with it is just a matter of a one shot you know or whatever hop in have this experience alter your you know gain more knowledge move on and get in inserted into the next campaign very smoothly seamlessly and you have that perfect character that you want to play that you have that personality you have that voice down you know that's your character you like it bring it with you forever go nuts yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Altered Carbon, but I'm a big fan of cyberpunk in general, the, the theme of cyberpunk. And, you know, you know, you have to remember when you say cyber cyberpunk, yes, there's the game, but there's also the genre of cyberpunk. And that's what Altered Carbon is. It is a cyberpunk genre uh game slash show slash book i have read the first book and for those of you who don't know if you haven't read any of the books they're they're fantastic uh, at least the first one was now the first book is when you watch the show versus the book the first book is actually a mixture of season one and two so just keep that in mind because at first it was a little i was like wait what because i watched i read the book after watching the two seasons uh, i have watched both seasons i was talking to zane about because like i said zane was excited about uh, cyberpunk and i was talking to him about the, the the show he said he loved season one he thought season one was very cerebral that it was a, you know a, a big time mind fuck he said season two he felt like it was just combat it was just let's fight let's fight let's fight and he, he said he only watched like three episodes and had to turn it off I didn't feel that way. I thought they were just trying to develop the story of Takeshi Kovac. Uh, I really liked, I don't know, I really liked the show. But I'm also, I tend to be very forgiving about a lot of things. Like I can watch a shitty Star Wars movie and go, yeah, it was okay. Until Leia starts flying through the space, then I'm fucking done. Um, but I don't know. I, I love this world. Uh, I think, like you said, the ability to say, okay, well, I want to play Durvar, but I want to play a rogue. And I want the rogue to be Dur, which I don't know if that would work, but <laughs> I want the I want Durvar to be the rogue. And and I could just see it because like, okay, but Durvar is going to be a halfling or a kinder because we were talking about Dragonlance. And you slip that stack into the kinder sleeve and now Durvar has this high-pitched voice. It's the same goofy-ass fucker that we're, we've come to love. But now he's got this high pitched voice the inflections are all the same and everything else and i just yeah i thought that that's a great great idea or uh, concept of, of talking about it that way um so yeah I, i'm i'm excited about this game i wanted to just give a little bit of background about this game so people know where the the writers of it are coming from so chris de la rosa is a partner and lead designer uh, at hunters entertainment that is the producer of this game uh 
Chris graduated with a BA in psychology with an emphasis on research. He has since gone on to do graphic design for entertainment, most notably MGM Worldwide Television and Netflix. He was done, or he has done design and production art for Netflix original program, including Altered Carbon, producing convention graphics, billboards, and print ads. Other titles include uh, Stranger Things, The Crown, Marvel's Punisher, The Defenders, and Jessica Jones. He has been, he has his work has been in print. Uh, printed in publications such as Vanity Fair, Entertainment Weekly, and Variety, and on billboards and major media markets globally. Across multiple publishing companies he has been a part of, he has over 25 books published from a range of talented authors and some of entertainers' most influential concept artists. Then we have Ivan Van Norman, who everybody should know if you're into critical role, especially you should know who Ivan Van Norman is. Uh, partner marketing manager, Ivan has worked in every field of entertainment industry and started like men in a mailroom. One of the first to start advert or advising companies on crowdfunding, he also pioneered the exploration of RPG live play uh, shows at places like Critical Role and Geek and Sundry. His, his, he, wow, they need to type edit this. Uh, he has extensive experience in all the columns of multi-level marketing, which is what you, you sold Nutrisystem there, Ivan, what's going on? And is noted personality and is a noted personality in the nerd hobby gaming culture as both producer and host. Um, and I'm just going to read, there's there's two more here. We have Caleb Cleveland, who's the art director. Caleb is, has a distinct vision and eye that brings a quality to hunters that only that are only achieved in some of the industry's leading publishers. An art instructor at LCAD, Caleb has done pieces for Farscape, Call of Cthulhu, and Dungeons and & Dragons. He can emulate any art style, and his passion knows no bounds. And then we have Alex Hulman, Hul Holman. A brand manager, community outreach. Alex is an essential part of the team and has been with Hunters Entertainment since they began. Uh, with an in-depth knowledge of, a, of an impressive variety of games, his experience has been an incredible asset to the team. So that's the team over at Hunters Entertainment. This is the team that put together uh, Altered Carbon. And of course, there are more writers and stuff. Um, I do want to show off real quick because I have the book here next to me. I just want to show it off real fast so people can see. So this is the book. Um, it is a beautiful book. Very, very well done. Uh, on the cover, I had somebody, I posted this on Instagram at 307RPG, and I had somebody ask me, is that Erica Ishii? Yes, it is indeed Erica Ishii. She is the uh, cover art and has artwork within the book. Um, of course, if you don't know who Erica Ishii is, are you sleeping under a rock? She is well known for... Um, Obviously, Vampire the Masquerade, L.A. by Night, and um, other RPGs, uh, video games as well. So Erica is an actress and is fantastic. I follow her on Instagram. And if you're not following Erica on Instagram, you should because she posts some amazing content. Anyway, so there, here's the cover of the book. Uh, it's a fairly thick book at uh, almost 400 pages. The artwork inside is very similar to what you see on the cover. There is a lot of like uh, artwork of the show. So you do get to see some of the main characters that you're used to seeing in the show of Altered Carbon. Really, really well done book. I was super excited to get this as fast as I got it. I did not, you know, buy in very high. I just wanted to get the book. I came with a map of Bay City, but it's a fairly small map. I'm not really sure without a magnifying glass if I would be able to read it, but I need bifocals because I'm old. So anyway, I've, I've rambled on quite a bit. We do want to talk about the character creation of Altered Carbon, which is really quite interesting. Uh, Nolan, where do you think we should start with that? It is a lot. And I think just going through the basics it is, is probably fine. I, you know, the big thing that I took away from this was some of the dice rolls uh, would take a little bit of getting used to, but fairly easy. Uh, and I really like the idea that, so in this here, uh, to roll for stats, you roll based upon your skill. 
And so if you're really, really good at something, you'll roll a d4. Because in this game, if you roll a 1, it's a good thing. And if you roll high, it's a bad thing. And so I thought that was kind of fun, uh, the ability to use some of those dice that we don't use very often. Uh, your GM, DM will call for a dice roll and say it is a you know some sort of perception check. Uh, and it is based upon your sleeve because it is the physical body you're in. And say you're in the sleeve of a decrepit old fogey. You're, uh, you're rolling a 1d12. Um, and if the DM calls for a success on like a 5 or a 6, you've got a 50% chance of failure. Uh, but say it is a history check. And because you are, you know, uh, second or third life around, you've got some history in this one here. Maybe you're rolling a d4 and the check is a 5. You can't fail. Um, there are opportunities to get extra dice and, uh, those bonuses can help or hinder. So that way, if you are at disadvantage, uh, you know, you can, you basically will say, Hey, go ahead and add a D12 to that because it's, you know, cloudy out or you drank too much or somebody poisoned you. Uh, now all of a sudden that's kind of how they bring them in. So again, rolling low is good in this game. Rolling high is bad. Uh, double ones is uh, critical. Uh, double twelves would be a horrible failure, uh, catastrophic. And so I, I thought that was neat getting used to that. Cause when you look through the character creation, you can see what you have of, Hey, you know, it'll say, uh, make a strength check. You have a D eight, uh, make a perception check. You have a D four. Uh, this sleeve is super combat ready. Um, make an empathy check. You have a D 12 because you're, you know, a sociopath. Uh, so I, I think that would take a little bit of getting used to, but very quickly, you know, I like the combination of vampire stuff where it's like, Hey, the, you know, difficulty is a six, go ahead and roll and you roll and you get what you get. Uh, I'm not sitting there right. I'm rolling a d20 plus five is a dim light minus four, you know, okay. Somewhere around a 19, you know, so quick math, I think always helps the, the game progress. So I think that would be just kind of a, a, a neat way to play. Caught me off guard, really liked it. Um, but again, your attributes in this game are separate who you are on the inside, who you are on the outside. And both can change based upon the experience of the game or the last session you played. Uh, you can be of different ages. Uh, it could be your first life, first sleeve. It could be your eighth. You could be over 200 years old. Um, and yeah, you're probably a little more powerful, but you've got more issues. Uh, you've had longer to piss people off and they are not going to forget that. So in this game, you get baggage and how much baggage you bring to a table is uh, kind of dependent on your past and how old you are. So being having super low roles and being a really strong character usually kind of makes you the leader because you've been around, you've seen some things, but also other things are going to happen too. That's going to be a detriment to the group. So there is no necessarily benefit, uh, or, you know, I don't know. It, it, it cancels each other out. And I think that helps a lot too, for our story. That way, any game you can pick up and play, Hey, guess what? I'm bringing my 20th level character, uh, into this one shot to play with some new people guess what? Your body's still a level three adventurer, uh, but you've got the mental capability of your 20th character. And you also remember that time you killed that lich? Well, guess what? His opportunity to come back and get vengeance is here. So, yeah. So I was looking through the character creation. I, I've been reading this since you and I talked about it. And, and, and at first I was very confused. Um, 
because it's like, God, there is so much going on. And I think this is true with any role-playing game that I pick up for the first time and try to figure out how to create a character. Because that's usually like the first thing I want to know. How do I create a character? Not that I'm going to jump in and start playing right away. I'm just curious how I do it because, well, I enjoy making characters and I know you enjoy making characters. So I was very curious how this worked and I quickly got confused. Now, mind you, I was able to clear up that confusion, but it took me a little bit. So they, they start on page, I think it's 33, which, yeah, I'm flipping through the PDF here on the screen. It starts on page 33 with characters. And it just, at first, it, it breaks down the attributes. Uh, their strength, perception, empathy, willpower. And these, the, the attributes are broken into stack attributes, which is your body. Or, I'm sorry, stack attributes, which is your mind. And sleeve attributes, which is your body. Now, like Nolan said, you could have the sleeve acumen of of a 90-year-old decrepit old man, but have a stack of a 200-year-old Methuselah who has tons of knowledge and, and, and uh, political power once they realize who that person is, but you're in a 90-year-old body. So it, it, I think I thought that's a really neat way of balancing things. Yeah, you're a 20th level character, but your body is out of a third level person. So yes, you do have the mental acumen of that kind of person, but you don't have the physical capabilities of doing the things that you want to do. So yeah, I thought that was good. Uh, a couple things to keep in mind is as you're doing this, like there is some some symbols that I think you need to make sure you're paying attention to because it can get confusing. They use symbology a lot in this book, uh, and on page. 34, they talk about the attribute bonuses, and, the, and I'm specifically talking about the symbols. And I know you guys can't see this, but uh, so there is a symbol for strength bonuses, perception, empathy, willpower, acuity, and intelligence. Uh, and those symbols are important. They do come into play later as you're building your character and even as you play the game. Um, same is true with like sleeve points, which with um, uh, ego points, with uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank on all the different stuff here. Uh, so there's a few things that you have to keep in mind. Um, one I thought was interesting is the types of damage you can sustain in Altered Carbon, and that being organic and real. Um, did you look over the, the damage at all? Yep. Do you want to talk a little bit about organic damage and what that means? Yeah. Uh, so, again, when we're talking about the game, you got to remember that you are two people. You're your mind and your body. And organic damage is that that happens to their, their body for the most part. Um, this is... Uh, basically you know you get shot in the head well i guess if you're if you're new to the game the stack is somewhere inserted in the back of the spine uh just kind of at the cerebral base uh so you get shot in the head you get shot in the heart you uh suffocate yep. uh something like that your your shell kicks the bucket um and that's kind of what it is is after that point uh you have to kind of basically realize that's a finite resource that you don't really care about. I mean, that's a, I mean, you do given the situation, but uh, something bad happens, you get shot in the head, you go down or whatever, your friends win the day, they cut out your stack and go find you a new sleeve. Um, but that organic damage goes to your body. Yep. And, and like Nolan said, that, that goes to your body, not your sleeve. Where, whereas the other issue is real death. And that's where the damage has come to your stack. Now, if you watch the show, you'll see Kovach often shoot somebody in the chest, which is enough to put him down. And then he'll walk up and shoot him in such a way that he destroys their stack, therefore dealing real death. Um, real death is a result of a saving throw using a toughness or using their toughness equal to their remaining health points with a minus one difficulty penalty for each injury that they have. Uh, 
Uh, if the check passes and the character sleeve suffers severe organic damage and the sleeve is either severely harmed or killed, but the cortical stack is safe. Uh, and your DHF, isn't it, I can't remember, yeah, digital human freight, which is what you, that's what they call your stack, your DHF, uh, is safe and they can, like Nolan said, cut it out and insert it into a new stack, which I'm sure there's a cost for depending on the kind of stack you want. Um, but there, so there's ways for you to suffer physical damage, that organic damage. Um, and, and maybe it's one of those where you're like, okay, I'm going to sacrifice myself for the team here and, you know, put myself, you know, jump on the grenade, if you will, to save the team. You guys better put me in a good stack. Mm -hmm. Which I think, too, uh, I think it's episode four of season one where um, the detective, um, God, I'm drawing a blank on her name. Anyway, she gets this, her grandmother's stack and puts it in the criminal's body. <laughs> And and then the guy's talking, you know, the actor who played the criminal does a great job acting like the grandmother. And uh, I thought it was <laughs> really quite funny. Yeah. And I, I think that you they, they do a good job with the movie as well, because also that every time every time you die, it messes with you or the potential to mess with uh, your brain. I mean, you've survived a traumatic thing. You might be a little bit of shell shock. And so then you got to deal with your ego and you're slipping a crazy. And the show does a good job of that, of him having nightmares of multiple lives and being alive that long. And, uh, you know, how much can the brain tolerate of existence over and over and over again before you start to lose it, you know? And, and so, so your ego comes in as well, which I think is a lot of fun that eventually, I mean, you, you start working with a Malkavian, you know, I mean, that's kind of what it is that you're fractured so many times and so broken, um, or you're so old that you've seen things and, and all of a sudden, you know, everybody reminds you of, you know, your uncle Donnie or something like that. So, or you lose your humanity and you act like the Methuselahs in season one, where you just don't give a shit about humanity in general. And that whore that you just had sex with in the, you know, the cyber, whatever, uh, is nothing to you. And you don't care if you kill her and move on because it's nothing. And you've lived for so long. Yeah, no. It, and, and they carry that over so well into the game. Like you said, with your ego, um, where you start damaging that and start losing your humanity, suddenly things are just not as good. Uh, so let's talk about the character creation process, which, um, if you, if you have the PDF or if you're going to get the PDF uh, or the book, it starts on page uh, 43, which is really, uh, they, they kind of say, hey, this is for beginners. This is where you want to start. If you're a beginner, let's start here. So they talk about the first step is to pick your archetype. And it's this, at first I was like, but I don't want to do that yet. I want to decide later what I want to play. Because I know you, you're like, well, I'll decide what I want to play after I roll the dice. Mm -hmm. But it really does matter here when you choose the archetype because that's going to dictate your skill levels and what type of sleeve that you can start with as well as your starting gear so you kind of do need to know what you're playing um so archetypes are listed on page 54 through 65 nolan do we want to touch on these just quickly like at least list the title or what do you want to do here uh yeah that works okay so i'm gonna whoops i'm gonna zoom back in here uh and jump down to page 54 All right, so the first archetype is civilian. Uh, you know, you're not necessarily supposed to be doing what you're doing, but for whatever reason, you've been pulled into the story. So you're playing a civilian. You're in your default sleeve, which is your birth sleeve. It means you haven't died yet. Uh, you haven't suffered um, uh, 
organic damage such that you needed another sleeve, at least not at first. There could be the potential for that to happen um, as you create your character. Uh, this is uh, generally the lowest social standing when you create a character, the least ability to exercise influence others. So that you have your first one is civilian. And again, I'm just going through these quickly. And they give you everything you need to know about your sleeve attributes and things like that uh, to create the character. The next one is criminal, which I'm pretty sure everybody can see where that where that is. Uh, your wealth level is one. You gain 1d8 uh, ego points, uh, which is all important. I know it doesn't make a whole lot of sense here. Traits are crime is a common trait tree. Law government is an anomaly and all other trait trees are uncommon which accounts for how you spend your stack points after a game uh, it could be that you're in your second or third sleeve uh, it just depends and then you have uh, official which is like your your officers your your cops things like that again it says your default sleeve is birth or natal sleeve that could also change depending on what you roll later. Uh, socialite, gosh, I, I love that they say starting feature is birth natal, but if again, if you change the age of that character, it could be something far greater. Uh, soldier, which would be like the Takeshi Kovach, um, the envoys, that would be in this area. So if you're if you want to play a combat heavy game, you're going to play something like a soldier. So, which I like because this really gives you an opportunity. You could play like a civilian who's just trying to make it by and maybe eventually becomes a criminal. Or you can be playing a soldier heavy game where your focus is on combat. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff that you do. It just depends on what you like. A technician, obviously somebody who is, you know, works for computers, things like that. A skilled scientist, craftsman, a laborer. They are vital and generally in high demand, but still Moonlight selling their skills to private industries. So you could be part of a soldier team, but your job is the backup, the guy who sits in the back watching things and, and monitors everything. Um, let's see here. Is that the last one? Mm-hmm. Yep, it is. So those are the different character archetypes. So you would choose one of those. Let me jump back to page 41. Uh, you would choose one of those, and then you would um, take out your core attributes. Whoops, I jumped to the wrong page. Yeah, so that kind of just sets you up. Um, that's, I don't know what, I guess in a, a comparison term, probably your race. Uh, you know, is that thing, it's just the very basics. I think it'd be more class, wouldn't it? I mean, that's it's your brain. Right, right, absolutely. Uh, so it says step one, pick a character archetype. Archetypes dictate your skill levels, which sleeve you can start with in your starting gear. You can you may choose your starting traits during any step after your archetype is chosen. And this is why it's so important that you have to choose the archetype first. Optional is picking a starting package belonging to your chosen archetype. Um, step two is sleeve in determining your starting attributes. Nolan, do you want to jump into that real quick? Sure. And so it, the big thing to remember here is it looks like all stack attributes start at an average value of 30. Um, as you level up and buy abilities, you can max it out at 50. So you're not necessarily horrible right out of the gate, I guess. Um, and, and the big thing here is, again, a, a sleeve is kind of what you do, uh, what, you, what your physical attributes can do. Uh, the sleeve, uh, basically, you're just occupying... Uh, jumping into the mech and the mech happens to be a body at this point here so depending on what you pick for your starting area it kind of depends on uh how new you are depends on the next level of what you get as far as your max traits uh, the max that you can get 
if there's a cost involved in upgrading it. Um, and this here gets a little complicated just from a, a standpoint of, again, now we're looking at, you know, what kind of pull you have, what kind of money you have. This here is adding armor to your character. Um, depending on the age uh, that you are in, uh, it can you know, lower your strength, increase your perception if you're young because you're just not physically strong. If you're elderly, you know, you're not strong, you're not necessarily perceptive because you can't see stuff. Uh, you actually will lose hit points the older your stack is. So again, this is, uh, it's really interesting to pick a, a sleeve, I guess, of trying to figure out you may not have a lot of options. I mean, it could be campaign setting. You could be undercover. Um, this here will be flexible with the story. Uh, and again, like Patrick was saying earlier, you know, sometimes the sleeve is just the criminal that, you know, you, you got thrown into to use for the one-off mission. Listen, we're going to protect your stack. I don't care what happens to your body. Get in, get the information, you know, well, who's the bad guy? Well, it's somebody in an old folks home. That's why you're granddad or grandma. So. Uh, you can have different qualities of sleeves, um, whether it is uh, the criminal off the street, or there are also synthetic sleeves that allow you to pick genetically modified ones that were created. And this here has a little bit better stats um, and a lot more customization for the, the situation. Um, and, and if I, I remember correctly, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, um, if you're playing in a synthetic sleeve, your ego points are down, isn't that right? Yeah, it looked like more of it is pushed towards physical. Uh, but again, it could be high tech. It could be what you see. Looks like you have a list of synthetic sleeve features, uh, inorganic skin. Uh, you can have a synthetic skeleton. You can have synthetic organs. Again, it, at this point, you are just the person behind the computer running this machine made for this adventure. Um, a lot of them are programmed to uh almost like rentals uh so they're talking about uh auto narcolepsy uh, many synthetic sleeves are programmed to enter sleep cycles when such things would technically not be necessary so <laughs> it's kind of interesting to see having haywires go wrong with the sleeve depending on where it is who it is and that could play to the story too is like hey you promised me this and you're like you got that yeah but it fell asleep and like well you get what you pay for and now you got a lifelong enemy or something like that so um this is where things get really carried away with bionics you could have a fake leg fake arm uh yeah so those are that's the kind of the crafted created made ones you could also have clones which is uh something only the most wealthy can afford um if it is of their actual birth sleeve um and if I think they did it in the movie, it was kind of frowned upon. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or highly frowned upon. Um, so, yeah, the, the sleeve section is really huge. Um, you do get personality penalties or boons, depending on, like you were saying, whether it's synthetic, natal, clone, birth. Um, gosh, there's a lot going into it. <laughs> and, and I think there really like, is. I mean, there, there's 30 pages of just sleeves. Right, right. Uh, and, and sleeves are going to be very important. Um, there is a way to expedite the character creation and just kind of like, okay, we're just doing this, 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 and this, and this to create it quickly. But I genuinely think, I know someone like you, Nolan, is going to spend agonizing hours trying to figure out just what kind of sleeve they're going to play. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at it, uh, sleeves start on page 44. 
they wrap up somewhere past 75. And so as you're picking your sleeve, it'll help determine your starting attributes. Um, attributes have uh, basically, like I said, all stacks start at uh, 30. Then you get to pick an age of it. Uh, then you get character resources based upon the sleeve, and then you get to roll on the ever lovely baggage table to see what comes with that sleeve. Again, is it a wanted criminal? And maybe that hasn't been out. Hey, that sleeve was arrested, but it's still wanted in a couple cities and people don't know that you have people already angry at you. I think we saw that a little bit of, cause he had the face of the cop and people are already after him and he had no idea why people were after him because of the deals he had done in the past. So all those kind of things can come in and cause issues or fun yeah no and that's a great point because kovach does get put into riker's sleeve and he's having to deal with all of riker's baggage as well as his own and that's that's a great example of how this works and it's funny that you you know you because you kind of just started rolling there when it comes to sleeves really when you pick your archetype in your sleeve stuff really starts just taking off when it comes to character creation because right after that like nolan said you pick your age you, you then and then you pick your resources then you pick your baggage so things really start uh, kind of snowballing after after you've determined your archetype in your sleeve age is going to be the next step in the whole process and you know i'm looking and i was trying to figure out like do you just randomly decide i want to be a 250 year old person and it really does look like and nolan correct me if i'm wrong here but it really does look like that's what you do you just pick your age yeah i can't remember if there was a, a rolling determining the age uh you can have a let's see there's no better or worse age to start with each extreme has its pros and cons an older character may have more stack points to improve their character or influence points uh, to alter game narratively a greater dh of age however comes with much lower and a lot of baggage uh, or a lot lower uh, ego and which can adversely affect the rest of the team so yeah it, it seems like it's fitting into the story um, right so when you pick your age, you're quite literally picking your age. Now, Nolan did talk about some of the downfalls of saying, yes, I want to be a 250-year-old Methuselah. So there's there's downfalls. Your ego points are down. And that's because you have, like we talked about, Lawrence Bancroft was, it lived for so long that people were just items to him. They were no longer people. Uh, and that's because his ego points have been diminished so much. And then there's all the baggage. Again, we talk about Kovach being in Riker's body and Riker having all the baggage of what he, do, he did as a, as, a, as a living entity versus Kovach. Um, so you do have to pick those things. And, and the baggage table is on page 75. And I'm just going to jump to it real quick because there is some interesting stuff in here. And I will say, if you're playing it for the first time, the, in the notes, they do recommend start with a low level uh, because the extra baggage makes the game that much more difficult. Uh, and having less modifiers to add, having all that stuff there makes it a lot easier for new players. And I think that would be part of the fun of change the time period a little bit. You know, be at the start of the revolution, be a level one, pick up 50 years later, you know, kind of that vampire feel of it's been 150 years since you last saw each other. You're back at it again. Right. Uh, this is what's changed and, and grow into that older, more issued uh, body situation. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think about Fall of London when we played that because you keep mentioning vampire, and that's exactly what you, you're dealing with here. Is um, you are you know in a somebody else's body and and dealing with the fact that you are 250 years old, but only in a body that's X. And 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 I thought that I think that's an interesting way of talking about it. So I'm looking at the um the baggage and holy crap. 
there's it's a it's all based on a table and it's one through a hundred. So you're gonna roll a d hundred to get your answer or to figure out your baggage here. And depending on what type of age you're playing, is the number of times you're gonna roll on a baggage table. And I think Methuselah's roll what was it six times on the baggage table. So they they it's bring a lot. a lot of shit. Yeah, a whole lot. And just gonna quickly go over some of these. I'm not gonna read all of them. Uh, personality quirk is no, is four through six. The character has inherited a personality trait from their current slave that is outside of their normal behavior. An addiction, um, smoking was what Kovach dealt with. Riker was a smoker. Um, then you have uh, an addiction, food preference, attraction, a proclivity towards different hobbies or pastimes are among the most common inherited traits. This is such a common but innocuous and interesting quirk to which a character can attain. Rolling this result multiple times includes a particularly strong inherited predilection. Um, others, I'm just jumping, you know, kind of up the scale here. Uh, 25 through 27, the character, and this is what I was talking about, um, you could be, you know, you could be a civilian, but in a synthetic sleeve because you rolled on the baggage table one one time the character is given a low quality synthetic sleeve which with with which to start this likely indicates that the character was recently secrets with secretly or was given this sleeve as a remedial replacement by their protectorate due to backlogs see the synthetic sleeve, sleeve section for a description of what having a low quality model entails so some of the stuff that you deal with there is like muted senses they, they say it's like weird in that things just don't feel normal so uh that's some of the stuff you would deal with that then you go on to like oh gosh like the top one is uh 71 plus and it's meth exile methuselah exile the character is not only long-lived they are inducted into the, the highly secretive or selective social circuit of the mess and have since fallen from grace see the meth character section for details on role-playing meth characters they must take the entire high society trait branch and pay the uh that is stack points costs required but will count as being scandalized as both their social and meth rules so there are the baggage that you get from your sleeve can be depending on your age holy shit <laughs> yep you have all the wrong enemies right so uh, there is like like we said there is a cost for saying okay i want to play a meth well guess what you're gonna roll six times on the baggage table and we're gonna see what happens because you could be dealing with some bullshit to the point that it's like oh my god i don't know if this character is even playable now yep yeah, and there can be some things of your GM may have to step in and save you. And it says that right. extremely bad notes or extremely bad results. Right. You know, they go they go into it as well, which I thought was cool. Because, um, again, we talk about, you know, playing Star Wars and not everybody wants to be a Jedi. Um, and they do have some variant character options. Uh, you could be an AI character, which I thought would be cool. Uh, like the, the hotel runner who's just the information guy. Um and they have their own kind of set of rules. They're second-class citizens. They are recognized as AI. Um, they have uh, their own baggage that comes with it, just their integrity, uh, how long they've been around, uh, and then just their ability to get with people you know, as far as, hey, I need to know this information. And people just be like, listen, AI, piss off. I'm not talking to you. You're, you know, you're not real. Um, you deal with a little bit in season one of the show with people with religious coding uh who are when i die bury me with my stack type situation destroy the stack um so if you just choose to play one of those uh, 
adding all that stuff to it also means that when your character dies, you have real death unless it's forced against you or something like that. But uh, it also limits what you can do because obviously you can't have a second generation sleeve. You can't be super old. This is your birth sleeve and it's your only one. And so if you are a person that's joining a table for a one shot or whatever and planning to go out in a blaze of glory, this is a great opportunity. Um, they do talk about uh, envoy characters um, as being a uh, alternate route. Uh, and they kind of are all of the everything you would want with either an investigator or special forces. Uh, but also you're kind of trained in re-sleeving i mean you are you that that i think that's the big thing i took away from envoy characters was you are designed to body jump you're quantum leaping all over the place and you are resistant to some of those abilities um and then what you're doing in between jobs or in between whatever uh, you know you're supposed to keep a low profile you can take mercenary work uh you do get two special abilities, one being like perfect recall. So if you've seen something, you can have eidetic memory um, and you're really good at resleeving. There's an opportunity to reflore, uh, restore influence whenever they uh, need to cast to a new world, a new town, because they know somebody. So I kind of thought that was like almost like the traveling bard type situation. You know, it's, oh shit, you're in town. What's wrong? I need some help. I saved your life 150 years ago. You know, you're able to pull in some resources. Uh, they can be a little bit more combat heavy, just giving the life over and over and over. So I could see a lot of people wanting to play that. Um, more so I could see a lot of people wanting to play a meth character just because you get all the luxury. You're, you know, you're the sire of the clan. You're the socialite. You have influence. You have money. I mean, I would see a lot of people playing that if they had an opportunity to. Um, and I think it would be an opportunity to play in this world, play this game, and keep the combat limited. You hire people to take care of that. You don't get your hands dirty. And you could play a, a social, uh, you know, Dune-style intellectual battle, you know, more vampire-esque of I'm just here for the social, you know, aspect and I want the political warfare and, and the faux pas and catch you at your own games and plant evidence. And so I I like the idea that you could, you could pick up four or five of these, you know, alternate traits and have completely different games and just understand the world. You know, now all of a sudden you, you know, you're in Waterdeep and you own the tavern and now you're having bar wars or whatever, you know, like whatever the people are interested in, you could create this world and say, yeah, you love the world. Which part of it do you like? Okay, this is what you want. You don't want to time hop through the years. You don't want combat heavy. Okay, you're social studying. You're a private investigator. It's going to be a noir style murder mystery game we're gonna play it here uh we're gonna have a uh you know a high stakes you know charity event or something like that we're gonna have a gladiator coliseum you know the high money people are paying for it cool make a one shot make a two shot whatever but keep playing in the world because they they're that bored and that rich that they can just kind of do whatever they want so yeah, absolutely. And it's I mean it's it's a fascinating world. And it's just all there is to it. It's a fascinating world, fascinating universe, and I think a fascinating game. Um, you know, and going back to character creation, you know, after you pick your baggage or not pick your role in the baggage table, really the last thing you do here is is use your stack points to choose additional traits or or, or increase attributes. Now there are some costs for that, obviously, but uh, and we're not gonna go into a whole lot of detail about that, mostly because we're running out of time, but uh, 
It's really neat. And I, and I think it's interesting, like, you know, we talked about the, the trees uh, when you're creating a character. Like, if you're creating um, a, the, the protector, the warrior type person, you're going to be in the combat tree. So there's a couple of different trees. I just want to talk about this quickly. The main trait trees in the book are business and society, combat, crime, law and government, survival, technology, and praxis. So depending on the kind of character you're playing, those are the trees that you're going to be dealing with. And those are all on the character sheet. So you can check that out. Um, so, Nolan, we, you know, obviously we're not going to go into a whole lot of detail and like break down and create a character. And maybe that's something we can do at some point, but we're not doing that today. We just wanted to kind of quickly go over the character creation process and give our thoughts on it. So I, I do want to ask it, and, and I know you've talked quite a bit already, but just real quickly, tell me what your thoughts on the character creation process and what you think about playing in this world. I, I find it really neat. Uh, it would be it would be really hard i think just the initial setup getting used to it building that uh, you know what is it in vampire they call it the web um but i would love every second of that because i feel like you wouldn't necessarily make a. my goal would be to make the one character i'm going to play right this is the mental person i'm going to play from the start and the history and the family and all that stuff would be so important um, that I think it would, you would have a good sense of the character before you ever got to dealing with your stack. Um, and, and then the rest of it kind of comes into, you know, what you're good at, what, yeah, I just, I think that would be the biggest thing is you could, you would get lost in it. And I think that would be a lot of fun because it is one of those things If every adventure could be very different, but your personality is the same. You dealing with these things. I, I would love to see the evolution of a character go through three or four adventures um, and be the same thing. And, and if you would become jaded or lose that ego or, you know, get the job done at any cost type situation and damn the civilians, uh, big picture type people uh, or just the, the ongoing potential of also not having, you know, necessarily permanent death, you know, hey, we're going to get you back. You're going to be a new sleeve. Keep going. We deal with that a little bit where like, you know, in, in Dungeons and Dragons, you can resurrect somebody and it's just business as usual. Uh, I like the idea of having the potential for, you know, scars, you know, you're a fire mage, uh, enemy fire mage drops a fireball on you, you die, they resurrect you, you come back, all of a sudden you are, you know, every time you cast burning hands, you cower in fear because you have this horrible image of, you know, you failed your wisdom saving throw against having flashbacks of being burned alive, like that stays with a person, right? So I love the idea that it's ongoing and every event is ongoing and, and can alter and affect and, and change how you view the world. Um, so yeah, it, it, as much as I'd like to continue rambling about it, I, I think it's cool. And again, the idea of, I really like my character. I don't like what I did in that story. Uh, okay, let's get you a new sleeve. Let's go nuts. Right. I completely agree. Uh, this obviously I was a fan of the show when I saw the when I saw the book dropped, um, and in fact I told you as soon as the Kickstarter started, I was like, "Dude, did you see this?" And I jumped all over, and I think I was even late to it. The Kickstarter did exceptionally well. I think they ended up doing like three hundred fifty-seven thousand is what they they grossed. Uh, there was a lot of extra stuff that you could get, like uh, in the first season. Um, Kovach carries around, I think it's a Hello Kitty backpack. And they actually created the Hello Kitty backpack. You could have gotten yourself a cortical stack. You could have gotten all sorts of things. I didn't do that, uh, mostly because I just don't need the extra stuff laying around the house. I just got the book. Um, 
my thoughts on this whole thing is I loved, I actually really liked the character creation process. And I know we didn't go into a whole lot of detail about it. And, and a lot of it is because I would want to read it three or four more times before I ever attempted to create a character. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I really like the idea of picking your archetype saying, okay, I want to be a criminal. What kind of criminal? Well, I want to be a hitman. I want to be, um, you know, a drug dealer, things a like hacker, that. Uh... Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to be a cyber criminal. I want to be whatever. And then building that character around that, you know, choosing your sleeve, choosing this, choosing that. And then, and then because you rolled on the baggage table, having some things that cause you issues like, yes, you are a criminal, but you're in a synthetic sleeve and it's actually a pretty shitty sleeve. So you have to deal with these things as well. Um, so I, I really liked that. And then as of the world itself, you know, guys, I've talked quite a bit about cyberpunk before and my thoughts on cyberpunk universe. I fucking love cyberpunk. I love the whole idea. I love, I mean, I've said before, I want to play the role-playing game. I want to play Shadowrun. I want to play Altered Carbon. These are the kind of things that I really just enjoy. Uh, I think it's fascinating. I like science fiction. And having read the first book in the Altered Carbon series by Richard K. Morgan, Man, it, it's just good. And it makes me very excited to play an Altered Carbon game, to run an Altered Carbon game, because more than likely that's what's going to happen. Uh, I'll end up running it. Uh, yeah. But I I think it's great. I think it's fascinating, and I want to know more. I want to read more. Now, looking through the book itself, I just want to give – and Nolan doesn't have the opportunity that I do because I actually have the physical book, and he has the PDF. Now, he can see the PDF, and I think he would agree with me. This is a beautiful book. Yeah, they did a good job. The layout's great. It's huge. I mean, what, 330 pages on the PDF of just information. I mean, we didn't talk about equipment. We didn't talk about loadouts, guns, uh, combat training. I mean, it's just pages and pages because you're dealing with such a, a large era of warfare, too, which is really cool. Um, and then... <laughs> armor plating, uh, thrown weapons, grenades. I mean, it got, yeah, just equipping your character. And again, same thing when the loadout comes, you know, what are you good at? You know, I, I tried grenades last time. Now I get to go pistols or I'm going to do blades and throwing weapons or whatever. So it just goes on and on and it's cool. Right. Uh, the artwork, so much of the artwork is pulled from the first season of the show and it looks great I, they did a fantastic job uh like i said erica issues on the cover the cover is just stunning uh i, I was very excited about it and I, and and i will say i mean as much as i was willing to jump in on this game um nolan i think you may remember i i said from the get-go that i was a little bit apprehensive because i did like the show so much and sometimes we've seen games spin off of shows that they're just not that good and just from the little bit of reading that I've done, I'm so excited to play this game because I think they've done a really good job. And the book itself is absolutely beautiful. It's a great quality book. It seems to be edited well, which seems to always be one of my complaints. Um, I'm excited. I, I think this is great. And I really hope other people give it a chance and check it out. Uh, I do have a link in the show notes that if you want to purchase this book, you can get the PDF. I think it's normally it's $49.95. It looks like it's marked down to $29.95 right now. Um, I think it's a $30 spend that is well worth it. I think you're even if you 
just use it to pull influence. Like, like you said, I love the idea that you talked about the fire mage making a mistake and, and suddenly every time they cast burning hands, they're cringing because they screwed up because of they, you know, they were resurrected and have those skills. And I think that's something that I shouldn't say skills, but whatever. I think that's something that we don't keep in mind when we play D and D is like when we do get brought back, there could be consequences. Like every time I see a beholder, I go, no, fuck you. I'm not doing that. Yeah. I had a, I had a bad time or not fighting it or, I think, and I think maybe that's just kind of, we talk about it in Vampire, we talk in some more of these games of having fear and having bad things, where D&D, it's very much of like, usually you're just kind of the hero going out and doing hero things, and that's kind of the goal. So I think it, it's different for different games. I've really come to enjoy having issues in my games with after playing Vampire, and I could see this game being very technical of that and... And, and the fear of the wrong person showing up to ruin your time or that baggage is there for a purpose. And I think, again, just like life, you know, something happens to you and it affects you. I think that's cool. I think it, it would be tough to do one shots, but I think for a long standing campaign of making a character and, and having bad stuff happen to you and then getting re-sleeved and dealing with, you know, I can't imagine the first time, right? You know, you're playing a character, you're doing your thing, blah, blah, blah. You're in your 30s. You know, or you've got a couple of kids or something like that, and all of a sudden you're re-sleeved and you're in a different body in a different place. Your kids have great grandkids now and don't, you know, you disappeared because of a bad thing. Like, you know, you've been written out of the history books and it's time to start fresh and, and having to deal with like wanting to go see your family. Like, I can't imagine being second generation. I mean, I just, it would be such a mind twist and I can see why you have ego problems. And I, you know, again, everybody that you know and love is gone. Uh, and just dealing with that i think is fascinating yeah and, and you know like i remember in the first season of ultra carbon they had um uh, someone who was imprisoned and i think it was like a child or something like that maybe it was for medical reason i can't remember whatever came out and was recently at the same time uh kovach was resleeved into the Riker sleeve and the family being like what are you doing this you gave us an old woman she's a child or, or something to that effect i can't remember exactly how it worked but you know dealing with those kind of things it's like hey listen dude we had no choice this is the only sleeve we had you're now a little kid sorry i know you're a warrior inside but figured out in your new body um i think there's really some interesting stuff that comes along with this and and you, you know what? I, I can't say it enough. Go check out the game. Go, ch you know, read this the summaries of it. Uh, see what you think, because I think playing Altered Carbon might be a hell of a lot of fun, especially if you're already a fan of the show. And I like the idea, like Nolan has said, of being able to play this character, you know, saying, I'm creating one character. This is going to be my character, barring, you know, real death, that I'm going to play over and over again. And I'm perfectly willing to be spun up, put into a new sleeve and deal with the ego issues and, and play that character. So yeah, no, I think it's cool. I think it's very cool. Well, Nolan, I have rambled a lot and I'm sure our, our listeners and our viewers are like, God, will this guy ever shut up? But <laughs> that is our show for this week. So unless you have anything else, I don't. Uh, again, it's always fun to look at these games and being pleasantly surprised. Uh, there's a lot of games where like, I just don't have time to look at it. Uh, us getting together and having a, a chance to talk about it and, and walking away with something new is always nice. So we appreciate people listening and watching. Um, again, we've got kind of all the different social media. So if you have a game like this that we haven't talked about or anything like that, let us know because we usually will take a look at it. Usually we'll begrudgingly read it and usually we walk away being damn it that's a good one too add it to the list so 
added to the list that's right yeah i i agree uh if you have something you wanted to check out you know nolan's got a ticker down at the bottom of the screen here showing all of our social medias feel free to hit us up uh and if you like our show and you want to support us you can always find us on patreon.com slash the four channel that is our old name but it is there and the other thing that you could do that would really help us because we are posting these videos to uh youtube is if you are watching us on youtube go ahead and hit that like button and subscribe so that way you know right away when we put out a new video this is a you know a new thing for us with streaming we're pretty excited to be doing this uh we are excited to have you know the show on youtube as well as on twitch and other podcast uh catchers and we are going to be doing a lot more stuff we're going to be talking about a lot more games as well as bringing in a lot of writers and things like that for some special content which some of that stuff's just going to be for patreon supporters so if you like it and you like what we're doing don't hesitate to help us out other than that that is our show for this week thank you so much for joining us yeah thanks everybody bye